grab our Bibles or our devices and turn or swipe to Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 42. Acts chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 42. We'll read through the end of the chapter, which is verse 47. That's where we will study God's word from God's word this morning. Acts chapter number two, beginning with verse number 42. Let us stand in honor and reverence to God's holy word. Acts chapter number two, beginning with verse number 42. This is how it reads according to the English Standard Version. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Most Sundays, without fail, you will likely hear me say something like, my name is Brandon Reddy, and I am the lead pastor here at the Bridge Church where we exist, that's what I'm gonna say, to develop fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Y'all come on now. Y'all know it. And don't worry, I know y'all talk about it because my family do it to my face. This is not because I don't have anything else to say. I can come up with a new introduction of myself. But it is intentional that week after week, myself or someone from the platform leading the service will say something about our mission statement. We exist to develop fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi-ethnic context. That is our mission, our goal, our aim is to develop disciples that are fully devoted. And that's why we've taken some time here in the early part, the beginning of this year, to have us have be of one mind of being fully devoted followers of Christ. 
And this is not something, this mission statement is not something that's original or unique to the British church. It's our spin on what the Lord Jesus Christ calls the church to do. In Matthew chapter number 28, verse 19, the Lord says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Our Lord, the one who one verse prior just said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The Lord of Lords and Kings of Kings has called us, commissioned us to make disciples. That is what we are called to do. And that's what we are laser focused on doing. That's the what or, or the why of the bridge church. Why does this local church exist? As leaders, the thing that we have to press into to say we get our why, but how do we know if we're actually making progress of making fully devoted followers of Christ? What, what, what is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? That's the question that I think we can find some answers to here in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This is as good a passage as any for us to learn from because it says twice in these verses that these newly converted believers of Jesus Christ are described as being devoted. In verse 42, they are devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Then in verse 46, the word, uh, the original, the Greek word for devoted is used again, though for some reason our beloved ESV doesn't translate it. Devoted is used again there. It says, uh, they, with one mind, they devoted themselves to attending temple. These were devoted people of the Lord. Now one of the questions you, you, I know you're asking is, what does it mean to be devoted? That term means to persist, to persevere, to continue. What we see is that there was an extreme commitment to certain activities by the early church. The gospel so transformed them that there was a radical reorientation of their lives. Their lives were dominated and centered around the gospel. Friends, this new church didn't merely add Christianity to their already busy lives, but they devoted themselves to their Christian experience. The gospel was the center and everything else revolved around it. Ooh. Another definition of that word devoted means to busy oneself with. I like that definition because I get the metal. 
They busied themselves with the things of the Lord. They were not too busy for the Lord or the Lord's people. But what made them busy was this new gospel community. And for many of us, we aren't making progress and being fully devoted followers of Christ because we are too busy with activities that don't concern the Lord's work. So let's look at this text together to see how we can be busy about the things of the Lord. The outline for today's message is actually already in your bulletin. It's at the bottom of the front cover page. It's also, if you have a cup that holds hot drinks, and if you use a sleeve for that, the outline is on the sleeve as well. Our outline simply is this. Love, learn, live, lead. These are the four primary marks or characteristics or traits that we as elders have said, this is what we are trying to develop as fully devoted followers of Christ here at the Bridge Church. Love, learn, live, lead. That's the outline. Now, for you people who need everything neat and tidy, as far as the chronological verses, it won't always be in chronological order. You'll be fine. <laughs> but I need our outline to serve a specific purpose, is to help us see that what we're trying to develop is people who love, learn, live, lead. Let's work. First of all, fully demoted, fully, a fully devoted follower of Christ is one who loves God and loves others. A fully devoted follower of Christ is one who loves God and loves others. Love God. The supreme duty of every Christ follower is to love God. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Friends, following Christ begins with the supreme love for God. And we see this in the new church. And the, the proof of their love is, can be seen in, in three ways. First, we see it in that they were committed to the apostles' doctrine. I know you're thinking, Pastor, doesn't that go on to learn? I'm going to use that again. You're right. But friends, they realized that to love God and to love him appropriately is to know God. And to know God is to love God. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse number 3. He said, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. They loved their proof, their expression, the evidence that they love God is they wanted to know him deeper. Their love for God is also seen, secondly, in verse 43, where it says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Their awe was a reverence for God that was the result of them seeing the power of God on display through the working of signs and wonders through the apostles. And as they experienced the power of God, their adoration of God increased. 
Maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons some of us struggle with giving authentic worship to God is because we lost some awe of how wonderful and mighty and majestic and glorious he is. We've become so familiar with the the wondrous, wondrous works of God that we show up and say, okay, God what? Friends, here's how the the hymn writer would say. He would say something like, uh, when I, what's that song that say how great thou art? How did it start off? When I had awesome wonder, that's what I wanted. See what happened when I go out from my manuscript? When we look, I tell you what, I got some Bible. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the family shows forth his handiwork. If you just take a moment and just, just look up, walk outside and just look around, you ought to see how, say how great thou art. Some of us, it, we, it would be more, it would be easier for us to enter into worship of this most holy God if we would just, just be a little more in awe of the power of God at work among us. Let me show you the power of God among us. He woke you up this morning. You didn't deserve that. But he did it. He touched, the old preacher would say, he touched you with his finger of love. <laughs> The power of God is on display all around us. There are saved people in this building right now. The power of God on display. They also showed their love for God through their collective worship. Look at verse 46. They attended the temple together. Verse 47. These believers are described as praising God. Lovers of God are worshipers of God. That's what we see here with the first church. But I want to spend most of our time where this passage spends most of its time, loving others. Their devotion to Christ was exhibited through how they loved one another. Verse 44, and all who believed were together. They had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Love for others was first demonstrated in them being together. Everybody say together. I think this word together has multiple meanings in our passage. First, when we read verse 44, when I, this, 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 this just arrested my attention this week. And, I, and, and, and it, I said, thank you, Jesus. Verse 44, when I read it in the original, this is how it, original, this is how it reads. And all who believed were in the same. That's all it says. And all who believed were in the same. What in the world does that mean? On one hand, I think it means they were all in the same place. That they were physically together. Their bodies were in the same place at the same time. They were not physically detached from one another. They, they, I believe 
that this new community of, of believers realized that once they were saved, they were saved into community. This community was made of, of people who had at least one thing and this most important thing in common, the gospel. And because they were a part of a new community, they were physically present to participate in the life of the community. Beloved, the church is a community. And it is a community that gathers together. And friends, the gathering is meant to be a physical gathering, not a digital gathering. Amen. Friends, the time has come for those who name the name of Jesus Christ to be faithful to who we are as the church, the assembly, the gathered people of God, and get back to gathering together in person. Amen. Beloved, I know you're saying, Pastor, we're still in a pandemic. Friends, the Lord has done mighty works in shifting the conditions of this pandemic. The death rate is down significantly. Hospitals are not filling up as fast as they once were. Vaccines and boosters have become av available. And as a result, mass gatherings are not nearly as dangerous as they once were early on in the pandemic. The Lord is no longer providentially hindering us from gathering. So friends, it is time to get back to gathering together in person. This is who we are. The church is an assembly. Uh, online streaming was never meant to be a replacement for in-person gatherings. These were designed for your spiritual edification while we were not able to gather together in person as the church. So I am urging the people of God, whether you belong to this church or some other church, you're going to get past it this morning from me. I want you to know that it is time to get off the couch and get back to church. Amen. Now, yes, there will be exceptions, sickness, medical conditions, Travel, others, come on, yes, we got you. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking to the people of God who have determined, who have said to my face, I don't think I'm ever coming back. Pastors all around this city and nation have said there are people, they know, we know, there are people who say we're never coming back. And I said, y'all, we got to do a better job of pastoring and teaching our people about what the church is. Right. Amen. Right. This, this part of the message is for the people of God who have determined that this is that. Amen. That the in-person gathering equals online streaming. Amen. This ain't that. This is for the people of God who have said, I enjoy attending church in my PJs with my coffee in my hand and my easy boy. This, this, this is 
for the people of God who have said, oh, I, I'm not scared of COVID anymore. I, I'll come back to church, but I'm only going to come twice a month because I got other stuff to do. This, this, this friends, we, we, we have gotten so far away from our, the biblical uh, model and picture and meaning of the church. And one of the things that I am, I intend to do is help us uh, uh, move from this low view of the local church to a higher view of the local church. Friends, do you know how much the Lord loves the church? He gave himself up for her is what scripture says. He loved the church so much that he died for her. the church so much that he says even with all her spots and wrinkles and blemishes I'm going to marry her she is the bride of Christ we treat her like it's the church is like somebody Jesus is shacking with this is his bride Okay, I love y'all. I said, I love y'all. All right, we'll see next week. So I think in one sense, together means they were together in the same place. They realized that embodiment, embodiment matters. But I think they were also together in the sense that they were unified. I told you earlier in 46, it, the, a better translation is, and with one purpose or one mind, they attended the temple together. There was a oneness about this group. They were together. And they were clearly one for all. Look at the text. The text says that they were devoted to one another, that, they, that if any had a need, they would raise funds by selling their property and their possessions. Friends, this is radical generosity. This is the type of generosity that the Bible highlights in the New Testament. Now, never in the New Testament do you see the People of God saying, now that we are under grace, we're going to give less than those who were under the law. There was a radical generosity about the people of God who have been saved by grace. This was extravagant generosity. So this, friends, what we see actually through the way they lived among one another and sacrificed one another, this is actually true fellowship. What's highlighted in this passage is fellowship. Remember, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Watch this. Fellowship is much more than potluck meal. Fellowship is much more than let's come over and have a good time together. Those are components of fellowship, but that, they don't define fellowship. This is how you know fellowship just ain't about eating, because after it says they were devoted, 
to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the next thing that is distinguished from the other two is the breaking of bread. So fellowship here means much more than just eating. Biblical fellowship is a bond of commitment to a community that considers the interest of others above one's own. Rewind. Let me give it to you again. Biblical fellowship is a bond of commitment to a community that considers the interest of others above one's own. Biblical fellowship is a commitment to the sharing of resources. The term fellowship, when we look at that term fellowship historically, do you know how that word was used historically in Greek culture? It was used to describe the bond that existed between two married people. That was true fellowship. It was a deep, intimate bond. Friends, church, this was not, these were not surface relationships. Fellowship, church, is about belonging to a community. That's the fellowship. And, and I'm, I'm convinced that if we were committed to, the, to biblical fellowship, there would be less loneliness in the church. That's why online streaming ain't healthy, ain't good for your spiritual health because we live now in the most connected time in history with technology, but yet we are the most lonely in the history. This is how I know church ain't meant to be just online because after two weeks of Zoom meetings, we all said, I'm over this. <laughs> Because technology cannot fill that desire, that God-given desire for human relationship. I believe if there were more commitment to biblical fellowship, there'd also be less sin in the church. There'd be more opportunities for encouragement, admonishment, and accountability, which we all need, by the way. The first church had such a deep understanding and commitment to fellowship that they were willing to sacrifice their own things for one another so that no need in the community went unmet. These people clearly loved one another. They were devoted to one another. They were committed to the community more than themselves. I know, I know, I know, this, hard, this is hard preaching because we've become enslaved to this idea of individualism and personal autonomy. And friends, let me just tell you this on my way to my next point. That individualism has weakened the church and it's also weakening you. Beloved, there is strength in community. There is protection in community. Individualism may be one of the values of the kingdom of America, but it has no place in the kingdom of Christ. And, and let me see if I can, let me give you this one last piece before we get to the second point. Lord have mercy. Notice that when the, this church is described, how, how much of a fellowship there were, they were. They, they would sell their property. They would 
sell their possessions so that others who had need in the community could have those needs met, so that there was no need in the community is what Acts 4, 32 tells us. Notice that the people of God here, these Christ, these fully devoted Christ followers, are, 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 are defined by their contribution to the community and not just their consumption from the community. They are defined by what they contribute, not just what they can get from the community. Ooh, wouldn't church shopping look a lot different if the people of God said, I'm gonna look for a church where I can contribute to a community. It's about what I can give back to that community of believers and not just what I can get from that community of believers. We now live in an age where people go shopping for church for what, what can I get for me and mine? Can I get my needs met? Look, Jesus is the one who will meet your needs, so what you need is a church that lifts up Jesus and then you can go and serve that community by helping them see more of Jesus. Chris, I, I, I want us to think differently about that. I, I, when people come to the bridge, I would love, I hope, if you ever, the Lord ever leave, sends you to go from the bridge because you, well, for whatever reason, what you need to look for is a church to say, where can I go and contribute to that community? How can I use my time, my talents, and my treasure to, to lift up that community rather than, can I just go there to get my needs met? I got to get out of here. Love God, love others. Secondly, fully devoted followers of Christ is one who learns of Christ or learns from Christ. That's the second part. The text says, as I told you earlier, they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. And doctrine refers to the teaching of the apostles or more specifically the content of what the apostles taught. And this church was committed to it. They were devoted to it. They had a hunger for learning. They were not satisfied with the elementary doctrines of Christ. They wanted to go deeper in their understanding of Christ and following Christ. There was no spirit of anti-intellectualism in this church. They, they would have embraced tools like catechisms, creeds, and confessions. They were busy learning about the Lord. They were learners of Christ. And what did they learn? The apostles' doctrine. What was the apostles' doctrine? Well, we get some clues from Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, where the Lord Jesus himself says, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. The, they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine because it was Christ-centered teaching. Christ was the focus. Christ was the hero. Christ was the aim. But I'm sure that they didn't just teach commands, but I also believe that they started off with the basis for those commands, which was the gospel. They, they, these apostles taught the suffering, death, resurrection, and exaltation of Christ and the implications for daily living. But why the apostles' doctrine? They continued in the apostles' doctrine because the apostles received their doctrine from Christ directly when he was on the earth and now from Christ through the Holy Spirit. Because they received their doctrine from Christ, the apostles' doctrine was authoritative. 
It was authoritative. It, it, it told them it was the, 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 the highest supreme authority for what they, were, how, what they were to believe and how they were to behave. It was authoritative because it came from the one who had all authority. And so what we see is that this church is committed to learning from Christ through Christ's spirit-filled appointees. Just as they were committed to learning church, so should we. Why? Because a disciple is a learner. You cannot be a fully devoted follower or disciple of Christ and not be a learner. Learning is the task of the disciple. Now, for the record, learning is not the end goal. The Apostle Paul helps us with this because he said knowledge puffs up. In other words, you get more knowledge and the temptation is to get a big head. What is the goal, the end goal of learning? Look with me at Luke chapter 6, verse number 40. The, the Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Beloved, the goal of learning, the goal of discipleship is to become like the master teacher who is the Lord Jesus Christ. The goal of learning is transformation. The goal is to become more like Jesus, to look like Jesus, talk like the Jesus, think like Jesus, live like Jesus, give like Jesus. Amen. Be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. T-shirt. <laughs> that is the second mark. So we must be devoted to learning from Christ. That's the second mark of a fully devoted follower of Christ. Thirdly, fully devoted, fully devoted follower of Christ is one who lives by the Spirit. And I won't belabor this point as Pastor Dublin preached on Pentecost a couple of weeks and urged us to be filled with the Spirit. However, it is clear that these people lived by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Only a Spirit-filled person can sell their property and possessions to help the needy in their community. <laughs> it, 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 what would it look like? If maybe we start having some garage sales and say, I'm going to uh, 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 devote this to or designate this for the benevolence fund at the church. So y'all think I'm crazy right now. But that's radical. What would it look for? What would it look like if just for every now and then we said we're going to go in, into this beloved pot of money called our savings and say we're going to give uh, a certain amount of money to anybody who has a need in our, in our church? Radical. Y'all, y'all, think about what these people did. They gave up their most valuable assets. Houses. Land and the stuff in the houses for the sake of the fellowship. I'm not saying this is this this is something that is descriptive here. I'm not I don't leave here saying Pastor Brandon wants me to sell my house. That, that's not what I'm saying. But God might be calling some of you to sell your house because you're living beyond your means. Hmm. 
I'm glad I already got paid. These were spirit-filled people. They, they, you, they, there was no way they were living by the flesh because the flesh naturally is selfish and stingy. The flesh naturally is not others' focus or concern. The flesh is, is all about me and mine. But the spirit, thanks be to God, transforms our minds, our wills, and our hearts. Friends, when we are led by the spirit, we, 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 we think and live and, 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 and think sacrificially and others-oriented. I think we can also, it is clear that these people were living by the Spirit because they displayed the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love. Yes. <laughs> these people loved one another. Joy. So they received their food with glad hearts. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, and gentleness. And then that, 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 that last one, that's the one that gets me. I say, Lord, help me with this one. Self-control. These people had to have had self-control. And one way I think we can see they had self-control because they were not materialistic. They were giving away their materials. They had learned to be content with what they had and what they did not have. Fully devoted followers of Christ are spirit-indwelled, spirit-filled, spirit-led disciples. Finally, the fourth mark of a fully devoted follower of Christ is they lead others to Christ. They lead others to Christ. And we see this happening in verse 47. The text says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Friends, the Lord is converting, converting sinners into believers. Those who rejected Christ are now surrendering to Christ as Lord and Savior. How did they come to faith in Christ? The immediate, the immediate text gives us part of the answer. It says, and the Lord added. The Lord did it. Beloved, we must remember that salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen. It is the work of the triune God to bring sinners to repentance. The Father chooses and calls. The Son's redeem, redeems by his blood. The Spirit convicts and converts. The Lord adds to his church. Here, 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 here's a church growth strategy for you. Devoted to the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship. They were not gimmicky. They were not program-driven. They were committed to the Lord and to the community. And as they were devoted to that, the Lord added to the church. So the Lord did it. The Lord decrees who will be saved. But the Lord has determined that he's going to work through people Amen. to bring his end. The Lord has determined that believers are to be saved through the preaching of the gospel. And we know this happens in the early church because just last week we heard the apostle Paul, uh, Peter preach a gospel-centered sermon. And through the preaching of this gospel, 3,000 souls were added. And we said last week that the gospel gets its own results. 
Then the Apostle Paul helps us to, to really see the necessity of how God uses the preaching or the proclamation or the sharing of the gospel to bring believers to faith. Look with me at Romans chapter 10. Here's what the Apostle uh, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 10. He says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call in whom they have not believed? And how they are to believe in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? And it goes on to say, how can they preach unless they are sent? Beloved, you are the sent one. Whom God has called and said, go and preach the gospel, tell the gospel, report the gospel. And through your preaching of the gospel, people are going to come to hear the gospel. And as they hear the gospel, the gospel is going to do what the gospel does. And then people are going to come to believe the gospel. And that will give evidence that they have been called by the Lord be a part of his family of faith. God saves through the proclamation of the gospel and as the, and as the gospel is proclaimed, God saves souls and adds to the Lord's church. Why have I been harping on this uh, for so many weeks this month? Because I think, I think we believe it but we don't share the gospel like we believe it. And, and friends, let me tell you something. This is not me saying this is y'all's problem. This is our problem. Because your pastor needs to do a better job of sharing the gospel on an individual basis. There's a lot of work to be done here at the Bridge Church. Last year, the elders did an evaluation of the health of our church. We said, are we making progress at developing fully devoted followers of Christ? We even brought in an outside consultant from the Kansas City area. And after a long process, we determined that the Bridge Church is a pretty healthy church. Praise God. Praise God. Thanks be to God. And that has always, that's, that's always been my goal. I said, Lord, I just want to be a faithful, and I want us to be healthy, and I think healthy things grow. So I don't have to push and prod to have this explosive growth. Uh, God will do it in his time, and he'll do it his way. So we, we just want to be healthy. And, I, and we said we're a pretty healthy church. However, we said there is a glaring weakness here at the Bridge Church. We looked at each other and we just said, we're not very good at evangelism right now. Friends, the church, the status quo is no longer acceptable. God's been too good for us not to be witnesses of his goodness. Love it, we are good news people. And good news, the good news we have, we gotta tell other folks. Yeah. So that's why I've pushed us to pray. The work of believers, of, of, bringing, of, of, of bringing sinners to salvation, I told you, it, salvation is of the Lord. So if the Lord is the one who saves, then we need to call on the name of the Lord to do what he does and has promised to do. And so we start with prayer. Amen. Not with gimmicks. Not with strategies. Not with tracts. Gospel tracts. We start with prayer. 
We call on the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest. We pray to the Lord of salvation that, Lord, that, that more people will be saved in our surrounding neighborhood and in our personal spheres of influence. But friends, faith without works is dead. Prayer is an act of faith, but that ought to be accompanied by some works. We got to do some stuff. We must actually do the work of evangelism. We must tell sinners that they stand under God's judgment of eternal torment. By the way, it is unloving not to tell people that they are stand under the wrath of God. Amen. The most loving thing you can do for a person is to help them be delivered from God's wrath. Amen. You know it. You've experienced it. You've got the answers to the test. The most loving thing you can do for a person is tell them about Jesus. He's a wonderful Savior. Yeah, yeah. We, we must tell them that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die for their sins. He was buried. But the good news is that he lives because he rose victoriously from the grave on the third day. And if anybody who believes on him, the son of God, who died for the people of God, but rose, whoever believes will be saved. Yeah. Friends, that's good news. That's our message. And our mission is to share it across the world. Worship team, you can come, come back. As we get out of here, let me give you some straight points of application from today's text. One, I want us all to evaluate our commitment to the Lord and to his church. Maybe one thing you can do is write out your tasks and responsibilities that keep you so busy. And ask yourself, are any of these keeping me from being a fully devoted follower? of Christ. Are any of these tasks and responsibilities a barrier to me being fully devoted to Christ and his church? And based on that list and your answers, maybe you need to make some changes to your life so that you can be fully devoted. For some of us, um, as, a, as a result of evaluating our commitment, we just need to learn to say no to things, to people. Sometimes even good things. Some of us are so busy because we don't know how to say no. We're too Midwestern nice. Secondly, commit to the fellowship. Regular church attendance. I have some friends here this, this, this morning from all the way from North Carolina. They didn't use this as an opportunity to say, we're on vacation. They said, I want to be surrounded with the people of God. So I want us to commit to regular church attendance. Commit to sharing more of yourself and your resources. Stop hiding. Let's take off some of that mask that we wear. Because we've, we, we, we've been we think that we have to look a certain way to be accepted by the people of God. We have always said that we want the Bridge Church to be a place of grace where you can be authentically you, share your struggles, your temptations, your sins, and we come around you and we love on you, hug you, and remind you there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But then we come around you and we say, we love you so much that we're not going to let you stay the way you are. And 
So we encourage you. We speak uh, the truth in love. And it's only in those types of communities where you can start to take off that mask. Reveal more of who you really are. Second, thirdly, I want us to commit to learning more of Christ this year. This is some easy, the best way to learn of, from Christ is through his word. And so maybe, maybe as a result of today's word, you're going to say, I'm going to join in the church-wide Bible reading plan. And, and I know some of you are going to be like, but I'm behind. Friends, the most important thing is that you are in his word. You do not get an extra check mark or extra credit in heaven because you completed it in 52 weeks in one year. What you need to know is your God. And so maybe, maybe you say, hey, I'm going to join the church-wide Bible reading plan. I'm going to pick up where they are, and over time I'll catch up. Maybe another way you can learn from Christ this year through our equipping classes where we go deeper into whatever topic we're uh, studying right now. We're studying marriage, sexuality, and gender, something like that. We've got bridge groups. Other churches, we call them bridge groups. Other churches call them gospel communities. We've got Bible studies happening all around. We have a pre-self Bible study that's led by uh, Renee and others. Maybe you learn from Christ's year through one-to-one, one-to-one-on-two uh, discipling relationships. But this is the year where you commit to learning more of Christ because that is a mark of a fully devoted follower of Christ. And finally, commit to praying and proclaiming gospel, sharing the gospel. Friends, I hope you are praying. This, this has to be something that we are praying about regularly. I want you to pray about it daily. But if you can't do it daily, every other day, worst case scenario, weekly, but we need to have a regular habit of praying for God to open doors for us to be able to share the good news. And then when he gives us those opportunities, we walk through those open doors and we share the gospel and leave the results up to the Holy Ghost. Friends, this is the year of commitment and recommitment. We must be the people who say, I am no longer satisfied with being a half-hearted follower of Jesus Christ. He died for me. He hung on a cross. Those crown of thorns were my crown that he took on. He's my Savior, my Lord. And that kind of Christ doesn't deserve a half-hearted commitment. And, and for the sake of clarity, what we're looking for is progress. Not perfection, progress. We won't be perfect in this until we see the Lord face to face. So let's say this year, I am committed to making progress and being more committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for your word.
thank you for a word that convicts and confronts us in the areas of our walk with Christ that are lacking, the areas of our lives where we have become apathetic and complacent. Forgive us, God. Change us. Help us, God, to be more fully devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ by loving God and others, by learning from Christ, by living by his spirit, and by leading others to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.